What is going on inside fam? Welcome back to the podcast. This is season two. Let's go ahead and jump into it. It has been a fun little break. Uh, I just realized too, my, my chair is kind of squeaking today. So, <laughs> um, no, don't worry. I haven't put on that much weight. I just think it's, uh, <laughs> this chair is a little bit older and it's seen better days. I went to go sit down in it in the other day to uh, check my email, and all of a sudden, like back part of it, or at least the back left part of it, just like snapped off, and I was like, "Oh no!" So here we are. I may or may not have squeaky chairs in the background. So if you guys hear, it's not. <laughs> I'm not doing it on purpose. I'll probably have to get a new chair if we're going to continue on with this season. <laughs> just have a sound effect in the background built into the show. <laughs> No, but welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I'm excited to be back with you guys. Took a little bit of a break, had uh, some things come up on the horizon that were a little bit of lifestyle changes, nothing too, too drastic, but there was stuff that required my attention and it was, quite frankly, I needed a break from building material from the show and just kind of get my head on straight for what was to come, not only from the new stuff that was ahead in some of the new ventures that I was taking on at work and the, well, all the new responsibilities that came with a promotion that I had received shortly after the close of episode one. But there was also a couple of things that I wanted to ensure that I had together for season two. And one of those was making sure that I had a clearer understanding and better cut idea of the direction that I wanted to take the show. And that certainly manifested itself in some of the plans that I had arrived at a successful conclusion on. And so for those of you that follow not only myself, but the show's Instagram page, you'll notice that a couple of weeks ago, I had put out a kind of an announcement leading up to season two that there were going to be some topics that we had discussed. And some of those at the forefront were going to be you know, quite frankly, some topics that I had already had on the books of wanting to discuss, such as how to go about conducting proper research, how to really network via the hobbies that you may or may not already have, and then how to really develop your skills from as a as a conversationalist so that when you are in the room, you do become one of the most interesting people and or one of the more interesting people in the room so you don't have people walking away from you going man that guy has the personality of a wet dish rag because there's nothing worse than that and then there were some other topics that got brought to my attention from a couple of listeners out there and you know who you are I'm not going to name drop but the the funny thing was is that I kept getting asked about a couple of different topics and a couple of different concepts and one of those concepts was actually brought to me by a friend of mine, and he said, you know, I, I really want to get your take on the role of traditional masculinity within society and how it has helped influence where we are today. And I thought about that and I'm like, you know, there's a lot of conversation and there's a lot of discussion in the current, well, social media place, if you will, and the town square that that has become in a somewhat roundabout way. I say roundabout way because if you really think about the history of town squares, they were a place that you could go to share ideas and people would usually tell you if there was a little bit more validity to them, if there wasn't. And while we do have some of that going on, it seems that there's only really one set of ideas that keeps getting 
shut down or at least chastised. And the problem is, is that in order to have effective, an effective society, especially with open dialogues of communication to further progress and thought within society, you really need to be able to be mentally prepared to come into contact with ideas and opinions that may starkly be in contrast to your own. Now, one of the other topics I was going to get into in season two was how to properly structure your arguments as well as make yourself much more coherent and much more analytical in your discussions and how to properly defend your points. Because in a day and age where so many people are wanting to express their ideas and so many people are pushing back on ideas that they deem to be, let's say, less than healthy for society at large, and I'll let you place those where you will. I think it's very, very important that we revisit a skill that I see not too many people trying to develop this day and age, and that is the skill of conversationalism, as well as how to be able to coherently not only express yourself in points, but also to be able to convey ideas and defend your own opinions when in what you would hope would be a civil debate or discourse. And unfortunately, we live in a day and age where you're not always going to get the luxury of having a civil exchange. Maybe you are the civil one and you're being met with <laughs> somebody who's being less so. But it's ultimately important to not only to be able to articulate yourself in a calm and meaningful way in that moment, it is far more important to be able to have a heightened degree of discipline on your own emotional state because when you begin discussing ideas that you believe to be very quintessential to your existence, it can be very, very easy to let your emotions get out of control in a heated debate because what you are discussing may inherently be so quintessential to your core beliefs or may perhaps be so important to the overall development of society that you do feel strongly about it. And one of the more difficult things I've noticed people, well, one of the things that I've noticed a lot of people have difficulty with is being able to have civil discourse and keeping their emotions in check. And for the most part, if you can learn to master your emotions in stressful situations and adopt a level of stoicism and have this presence of mind where you're able to think coherently and logically in a situation and be able to present your points as such and remain the calm one in the discussion, the other person can be melting down in front of your eyes, they can be blowing up, they can be yelling, they can be screaming when they don't have any kind of coherent argument or series of facts to present to the table to perhaps combat your own or really engage in any kind of intellectual discussion. If you are seen as the one that is calm, cool, and collective in that conversation, you are going to be seen as the victor in that exchange by people who may be on the outside looking in because you stayed calm, you stayed composed, and you'd st you, you remained coherent while the other person just had a meltdown. So there is something to be said about emotional discipline in that. And then there was another topic that got brought to the forefront. And it was 
by a listener of the show. And she had sent me a message and she said, Hey, uh, I really want your two cents on this guy named Andrew Tate. And, you know, honestly, if you've been to any corner of the internet, you know who Andrew Tate is to some degree. Whether you've listened to his long-form content or you haven't, the guy's everywhere. Like, you, you can't you can't escape it. For better or for worse, you can't escape it. And so, what was interesting about it is that this young lady sent me a message and she said, Hey, uh, you know, my family and I are really having a discussion about this. My, my sons stand on one side of this argument. My daughter has another opinion. You know, I kind of stand here. You know, it'd be interesting to hear what you think about this. And it wasn't just her that had this input because there were several guys that I work with that also have asked me, they haven't asked me outright what I've thought about the guy or the situation, but they've come right up close to that line of asking me. And then it's been, I, I think something has caused them reservation from actually pulling the trigger on the question entirely. So that was one of those things that I, I really did want to bring to the table for discussion and really analysis during season two of the podcast, because I think that no matter where you stand on the Tate brothers, there is something to be said about the impact that they have had on society. Now you can make the argument it's good or bad. I think that my take on it might shock a lot of you. Excuse me. It might surprise a lot of you, uh, but perhaps not in the way that you think it might. I believe it or not. I'll give you a spoiler to that, to that episode. I, I truly believe that the Tate brothers are a response to something that has occurred, that has been occurring in society for at least the last, mm, I would say at least the last seven or eight years, more predominantly so. It was something that I touched on in episode six where I had, I had stated that I had noticed a societal change over the last 20 years of my life. And... To give you guys a little bit of a hint, I think that whether whether you like the guys or you don't, you have to realize that their existence and their, their content that is being consumed by young men and women across this globe is being consumed because there is a need for something in that space that is being sought after and being fulfilled to a larger degree by these two men. Now, again, without getting too much on um, a bunny trail on this, because I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to this. Leading up to that episode, I'm going to issue you guys a challenge. Whether you love or hate the guy, one of the things I have found is that the conversations that I have had with people offline about this guy because I did come across him and some of his cohorts uh, when I was doing some of the research for episode six. And there was one thing that stood out to me the most about a lot of the people that were very, how shall we say, outspoken about how they felt about the guy. And the reason that I think it's important to bring this guy up and actually make an entire episode for season two about him is because this is actually going to go hand in hand with another topic that we discuss 
during season two, which is how to conduct your own research. Now, what I mean by that, just as a quick little side note, is let's say you're unsure of... Okay, let's let's say that you're unsure of how to get started investing in the stock market or at least building a portfolio that is going to help you reach your financial goals for retirement. Now, before anybody gets too worried, no, I'm not about to put financial advice downrange to you guys, although I am working on getting a couple of financial advisors scheduled so that they can come onto the show and talk to you guys about some of the basics of investing if you're not sure of where to turn to or what are some of the quintessential concepts that people need to first understand before getting into the world of investing, whether it be through the traditional stocks and bonds option, whether it be through a typical Roth IRA, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to focus on, whatever you choose to invest in. I'm not about to give you financial advice. One, I'm not licensed to do so. And two, that's not the purpose of today's episode. So when you want to begin something like, let's say, investing, I have no doubt every single one of you guys have heard this at some point in time in your life where you ask somebody a question about what do I need to know in order to get started on this? And the immediate response they give you is, I could make an argument that it's a cop out, is, well, you just got to do your own research. And we're like, no crap, dude. Like, that's why I'm coming to ask you. Like, give me a name, give me a direction, give me something. Well, you know, you just have to look around and do your own research. I freaking hate that answer. Oh my gosh, that has always driven me up the wall. It's like one of my pet peeves, especially coming from a background of research. Anytime I've heard that, some I, I oh my gosh, oh oh my goodness, like because you go off and you, you, I mean, you try to figure out as much as you can, but then especially one of the good and bad things about being in the age of the internet is that yes, you can go online for almost anything you want to know, but then the trade-off is is that is the information you're getting really from a credible source. And one of the other topics that we're going to be discussing in season two is the rise of the online gurus during the early years of <laughs> during the early years of really YouTube and, and everything. I, I, I think I had made mention of it in season one at some point. And if I didn't, I had a note written down somewhere about it. I, I think, oh my gosh, I could make an entire discussion over the rise and fall of a lot of these, or I say rise and disappearance of a lot of these quote-unquote gurus on YouTube uh, because that's exactly what it was. But getting back to the Tate brothers, um, what I found was that a lot of people simply weren't doing their research on these guys. Whether it was they would watch a couple of quick tip or quick clips on TikTok, which again, I almost threw up saying that uh, TikTok's a bane to society. I just, oh my gosh, I'm going to go down. I, I'm just going to put that down range. But what I'm finding is that there is a lack of lengthened attention span with people. They don't want to actually go off and, again, do, do their own research. They don't want to seek out the context in which something is being said. They don't want to understand the meaning behind it. They want the quick knee-jerk, rea knee-jerk reaction. And the arguments and the counter arguments that I hear a lot of these folks put up against these guys, when you start peeling back the layers and you ask, okay, well, why do you think he's this way? Well, uh, uh, I, I don't know. It's just because he is. Okay, well, dude, give me an example. Well, I just, and, and you'll find that their defense crumbles very, very quickly. And it's because they haven't actually listened to anything that the guy has had to say. 
Spoiler, I have. And while I was doing research on episode six, I did come across a lot of content, a, long, a lot of the longer form com- content that the Tate brothers had put out in the year and a half that they had been in the public spotlight to the level at which they had been. And I, I did notice a social phenomenon that paved the way for them to make as large of an impact as quick as quickly as they had. And quite frankly, I think the discussion that we have on that is going to shock a lot of you, specifically because of what climate I am discussing, in which case the question is going to arise much like it did in in episode six. How did we come to this point? Well, if we really want to look at the environment in which was, if we really want to look at the environment that allowed the Tate brothers to make the impact that they did, I think it is going to be a prime example. And hopefully it wakes a lot of you guys up and, and makes you realize, Oh snap, like, you know, for e- for every reaction, we're going to have an equit, equ- excuse me, equal or opposite reaction. I can't talk today. Oh my goodness. Um, so I think that it's, it's, it's absolutely important to really analyze why those guys have had the impact they have had. And that's something that we're going to get into in season two. I did have <clears throat> a few other, my, a uh, few other of my female listeners respond to a question I kind of put downrange to him a couple of times and the response I got back from him I was really kind of shocked because it made me realize okay well there's also something else that needs to be said about the the characteristics in guy code if you will don't worry guys I'm not going to sit there and break the code I just you know <laughs> I'm not going to disclose everything but there were a couple of female listeners to the show that I had asked just out of curiosity what is something that you want to know about guys or what is something that you want to understand? And I kind of alluded to this in, in episode six, when we talked about dating is that, you know, there is, there's an advantage that women have, I think over men in the dating world space. And that's, you don't need to necessarily know what catches the eye of a guy because even if you're a moderately attractive woman, or even if you have your life put together in in a certain way, you're presentable, you obviously take care of yourself, like you're going to naturally get attention from guys, right? The the same can't necessarily be said the other way around. You know, guys do have to build their value. They do have to clearly take care of themselves. They have to develop a personality. They have to be funny, charismatic, ambitious, all the right. Oh, we went into that in episode six. I'm not going to dive too much into that here. But one of the things that goes along with that is I found that I think the the perceived mystery behind some of the stuff that guys do is causing headache and confusion in the minds of a couple of my female listeners. So when I asked him, I was like, hey, you know, what is something that you want to know about guys? And I got some interesting questions from it. And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about in episode or excuse me, in season two, in a future episode, is I am going to be doing another round of interviews because that did go over very, very well. Um, I got a lot of great responses for episode six. I love the participation that I got from some of y'all. It was absolutely fantastic. And it's going to tie into another episode 
topic that we have coming up, which is going to be how to manage expectations properly. I was just on the phone call this morning with a young man who he and I are engaged in a mentorship program. And he is, I'm, I'm mentoring him. It just, it was, it was one of those things. And and this came up in conversation where there's a certain level of expectations that are placed on college students as well as high school students to have their lives figured out as well as, you know, go out there, get a job, all the rest of it, which again, you should, you absolutely should. And I think I touched on this in season one, when I did the breakdown between the trade school programs, as well as universities. And one of the things that I hit on was I, I think that there's there's not a proper foundation laid for students coming out of high school who are maybe looking to either go into a trade program or a vocational school or perhaps looking to take the college route. And the reason I say that I think that there's a lack of proper foundation laid for that is that there's this push of you need to go to school so you can get a good job, all the rest of it, but there's not a foundation laid to help them understand or develop realistic expectations for how and when they should be hitting those milestones, what that timeline should look like. And I think that because of that ambiguity that comes along with the, the expectations that are really placed on them, you know, we expect you to go off and be successful. We expect you to be a contributing member to society. We expect you to do A, B, C, and D. Well, much like any other goal or achievement that you wish to add to your belt and your toolbox when you get down to the end of your life, it does, it does you absolutely no good to have an idea of what you want to accomplish without having measurable goals and attainable goals in place to help you reach that destination. I kind of alluded to it on episode one of season one when I said that, you know, in life, we have an idea of where we want to get to. And at some point we have to start traveling down the road. But if we drive around aimlessly, we're never going to get to our final destination. We're never going to get to the place that we want to reach. We're going to be making a lot of effort. We're going to be spinning our wheels. We're going to be wasting gas. We're going to be driving around in circles. We're going to be lost. It's, it's no good. It helps to have a map. It helps to have a guiding post, whether that be through mentors, whether that be through conducting proper research on how to go about reaching the goals that you have and not just relying on the ambiguous of, oh, well, you know, do your own research. Yeah, no, <laughs> Sherlock. I know, I know. So we're also going to be going into book recommendations too. These are some of the books that I've come across since the beginning of the year. Now, before any of you get too excited, um, I do try to read the actual physical book when I can. Unfortunately, due to the lifestyle that I have going and doing and the best way for me to absorb new material on average is usually through audiobooks. Now, I know what you're saying. Well, it's not the same thing as reading the book. You're right. It absolutely is not the same thing. And I would I would constantly encourage people to go off and read the actual 
words in the physical book, or at least a digital copy of it if you can, because that's actually going to be a form of exercise for your brain. But that's another conversation entirely. So there are going to be book recommendations that I'm going to put down range to you guys so that you can contribute and you have something more in your toolbox to be able to add to conversations when you're in social environments so that you are engaging. You do have something interesting to talk about. You are captivating to an audience and you're able to develop that public speaking skill. You're able to, if you know that's something you're not necessarily used to, you're able to get out of that comfort zone and really get a little bit more practice with interpersonal communication in smaller groups, which would help you prep for really mass presentations. So those are some of the things that we are going to be getting into on season two. And I have a couple of cool surprises for you guys as well. I am currently in talks right now with several people, not only for guest interviews this season, but I am in current conversation with two or three individuals right now to entertain the idea of co-hosting. Because, quite frankly, I think it's really, really important to get another perspective on the show and be able to offer and, and, and pass down some of the insight and the guidance that they might be able to offer to y'all. Because as much as I love talking to you guys, I have no doubt that you know a different perspective on the show and open dialogue and communication would actually take this show to the next level and provide greater value to y'all out there. So I think, I think I honestly owe it to you uh, to be, uh, to be absolutely honest. You know, you guys come here episode after episode and I, I can't thank you enough for it. And I think that in my core, I believe that it's, it's my responsibility in this relationship that we have between you, the listener and me, the host that I need to constantly develop and bring greater quality, even if it's small incremental changes or small incremental improvements as the show goes on, I want to be able to deliver that higher quality to you guys. And I, and I think that honestly, if, if this podcast is to reach the, if it is to reach the height that I wish it to reach and it is to become what I want it to become and have the impact that I, that I dream of it having, then I think quite honestly, it would be advantageous for everybody involved to have a co-host. And I'm currently interviewing and discussing with three or four individuals right now on a rotating basis, having them come on as guest speakers, having them come on as co-hosts as their schedules permit and deliver that greater level of quality to you guys. So I'm really, really excited about that. I'm currently in conversations right now with a couple of financial advisors to get them onto the show and interview them so that they can give you guys the fundamental concepts that quite frankly aren't taught in school with respects to things you need to know when you're getting into the financial world for the very first time, whether it be through investing, real estate, what have you. And while each one of those, I understand, is different branches within business, commerce, finance, all the rest of it, I am looking to diversify so that the information that I'm able to provide to you guys for a quick reference and whatnot is on a wide range of topics so that you kind of have an understanding of how 
the different aspects of commerce, economy, investing, finances, all of that plays together to help you reach your goals long-term from perhaps an investment standpoint. So in addition to that, we're also going to be going into, there's a special episode that was selected by the contest winner of the preseason hype. Now I had put out a I'd put out this thing that if you're not following us on threads or if you are on threads, go ahead and give us a follow. And the first 30 people were going to be automatically entered into a contest. And the contest winner was going to have the opportunity to come onto the show and have a discussion about a topic of their choice. Well, the contest winner was Erica and I reached out to her and she was more than thrilled with the idea that she won the contest the other side of that was she was like, yeah, I'm not coming on the show, but here's what I really want to talk about. And funny enough, it was managing expectations. There were a couple of other ideas that she had put down range and they had kind of already, they were ideas that they were really, really awesome. They were really, really superb and I could have easily ran with them and made episodes on them. However, they lent themselves to topics that we had kind of covered in episode six, as well as, you know, uh, a couple episodes before that with, you know, time management, choosing to go to college, you know, versus trade school and some of the ins and outs of that. And after talking with her a little bit, I think one of the things that really just kind of became apparent with her was, hey, I want to know more about managing expectations because in the transition from the the end of school into my professional life, there were several things that I was not made aware of that I would have to contend with. And had I known about them then, I would have been better equipped to deal with them once I came up on them. It didn't take away the challenge. But realizing that what you're going through is kind of growing pains, I think is is absolutely pivotal because if you understand that there's going to naturally be hardship within the transitions between going from, let's say the academic setting into the professional setting, and there is a new world that you have to understand the left and right limits and the rules to, it can be frustrating. It can be a little bit of a headache. And in some cases it can be overwhelming, especially if you're not prepared for the challenges ahead. And in many cases, I've seen young professionals walk away from these situations feeling absolutely destroyed and mentally and morally just drained because they get it in this they get it in their head that they're not cut out for any level of success. Maybe the the pressure and the pushback and the challenge is too great for them and they think they've somehow failed along the way because what they'll later find to be a normal obstacle and a growing pain seem to be a mountain of an obstacle to begin with. So managing expectations and knowing what's on the horizon at various stages within your young professional life is going to be paramount to being able to look at that mountain size obstacle and go, okay, that's not as bad as it looks. Like I'm still going to have to climb that thing, but it doesn't look as treacherous. It's not as treacherous as it appears. I got this. And so moving on to, we are going to have a, a few more 
I, I think a few more updates with the Instagram page with respects to community involvement, with respects to follower engagement, which by the way, I needed to thank all of you out there listening to this. I recently got a notification that the Spotify page had received a series of reviews. I cannot thank y'all enough for taking the time to go out there and fill that out uh, for the episodes and give the show a review. I was sincerely humbled by the turnout of it. I can't thank you guys enough. And I'm really, really happy to see that overall it was, I had about a 4.3 positive review on it. Uh, So there are definitely things that, while I wasn't able to see the breakdown of, you know, maybe the feedback or anything, I don't think we've gotten there yet on Spotify, but the, the reviews looked overall positive and I'm, I'm really excited to continue to bring higher quality uh, programming and, and whatnot to you guys and, and really kind of dive into some of these topics that we talked about um, moving forward. So one of the things that uh, one of the things that I did want to leave you with on the I, I guess at the tail end of this because this will be a little bit shorter of an episode to, to kick off season two than anything else. One of the things that I did want to leave you with was during the hiatus, there were a couple of things that I really had to step into the forefront with at work and kind of take on new responsibilities. And in doing so, as part of my promotion that I had received just shortly after the closeout of season one, there was a leadership class that I had taken that several things kind of came up in discussions that I had had throughout the course of this class that really made me think. And one of the topics that we are going to talk about in season two are leadership styles and really, well, leadership and then the styles of personalities that you're going to have of the people under you within an organization. Now, it's not going to be all encompassing, but it does give you a pretty clear cut identification of some of the personality traits that you are going to come across and kind of what the the perks and, you know, the benefits and the the consequences of some of those personality traits are going to be. Um so there's a lot of great stuff coming up in season 2 and I I am completely completely stoked for it. And one of the things that I I, I cannot continue to stress or be thankful enough is the continued support and involvement from you guys, the community out there. It never ceases to amaze me how willing you guys are to answer any kind of polling questions we have, any voting, any anything that we have going on on the page. You guys consistently show up. You guys consistently give me answers that are freaking awesome. And then the feedback that I've gotten from some of y'all on the direction the show is going has been overwhelmingly positive. And some of the feedback that I've gotten from a couple of you have actually helped steer me towards content that is going to be filled with a little bit more substance than perhaps. I wouldn't say that the stuff I've, I've given you or I've put out so far, I wouldn't say that it's been lacking. But there has been, and I'll I'll be honest with you, there have been episodes that I've put out where I've thought about the concept and I'm like, 
I could have given a little bit more on that, but to what degree I could have done. There's something else. There's something else I could be putting out there. There's something more meaningful. There's, but maybe that's just first person perspective. And you know, the, (laughs) the artist is always the, (laughs) the most critical of themselves, but overall, I think that one of the things that is absolutely paramount is that moving forward, this podcast continues to develop, grow, and it is here at the service of you, the listener. There's definitely things that I would love to talk about and put down range to you guys, but this is one of these things where I consistently love interacting with you guys on the Instagram pages as well as hearing some of the feedback on the episodes and really just kind of doing these on the street interviews. And I think at a later time when I've got a little bit more of the the video component of the show set up, uh, there's going to be a little bit more of the the man on the street type of thing. I think it'll be fun. Uh, it, although it's probably not going to be the standard format of a lot of these guys that are out there doing the haha gotcha moments kind of thing on videos. It'll be a little bit more fun, a little bit more upbeat, and the conversation will, I think, be a little bit more insightful, no pun intended, with the show. (laughs) But going forward, it's something that I really want to add to because I see this this interaction that I'm, I'm getting from the community so far being something that is easily going to make the show much more interactive and... Yeah, I'm just, y'all, I'm excited. I'm really giddy about this. So welcome back to season two. This is going to be a fun season to be sure. I am excited to be back with you guys. My chair is making noises because it's excited as well. And I got to tell you, I cannot wait to start delivering this stuff to you guys. It is going to be fun. It is going to be awesome. And I have a few more surprises up my sleeve if I can manage them. I'm currently in talks right now. I don't want to jinx anything. But there are a couple of things that are kind of in the works that I don't want to really disclose too soon because I don't want to I don't want to make promises that I can't keep. But if I can pull this off, we're going to have some really cool stuff published this fall and this season. So I am incredibly excited to bring that to you guys. As always, welcome back to the show. I missed you guys dearly. I did. And I'm excited to get this thing kicked off. So welcome back. It's been a fun little break. We're going to get into so much this season. I cannot wait to deliver it to you. But between now and then, thanks for stopping by. I hope you guys enjoyed the update and I'll see you next episode. Peace.